If you have your Bibles, why don't we stand for the reading of the Word? And we're going to go, amen, to the book of Luke, chapter 24, and verse number 13. Amen. And we're going to try and get out of here. We don't want to be too long here tonight. I, I, I promised Brother Nathan, Brother Nathan said he has to get up at 3 in the morning to go to work. I said, well, we're going to, we're going to try and get out of here as soon as we can. But uh, we're here tonight. And we want the Lord to help us and to speak to us. And God's presence is in this house. And uh, we want to see what God has for us. Uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. And you have it say amen. Amen. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus. There was two men walking on the road to Emmaus. Uh, which was far, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, or about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they were walking about seven miles, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know Him. Or their eyes were blinded that they should not recognize who Jesus was. Amen. Even today, amen, there's folks, amen, that their eyes have been blinded and they can't see who he really is. Amen. Until the word of God begins to work in our lives. And verse 17, and he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one to another? In other words, what are you talking about? That's basically what Jesus is saying. What are you guys talking about as you walk and are sad? Why, what are you talking about and why are you sad about it? And one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? In other words, are you the only person in Jerusalem that has, has no idea of what just happened? Uh, seeing that this particular account has followed immediately the the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. And if you'd skip over to verse 25 for the sake of time, it says, Then he said unto them, this is Jesus, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, why are you so foolish and so slow in your heart to believe all of the things that the prophets have prophesied about that have already given you a clue what's happening right now? Verse 26 says, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets. In other words, he started out with talking about Moses, that prophet, amen, that man of God that led Israel out of Egypt. He began to talk about from Moses and go through all of the prophets of the Old Testament and begin to tell them how all of uh, the prophets and Moses, all of those individuals were prophesying, were talking about me. That's Jesus. All of them began talking about Jesus. And so Jesus begins to expound to these two men on the road to Emmaus. And he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Because all of the scripture in the Old Testament pointed to that man that was called Jesus in the New Testament. And everything that happened after Jesus had ascended, everything pointed back to Jesus. Because he was the center of this this Bible, this holy book. Amen. The word of God. And so he begins to expound to them and let them know that everything in the scriptures, it has pointed to this particular juncture in time. And verse 28 says, and they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. He was going to keep on going the direction he was going. Amen. Except these people at this particular 
part in the conversation begin to understand some things. And the light began to turn on in their mind. They began to realize we need to hear more of what this man is talking about because there's power in the words of Jesus. And it says, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. Amen. Sometimes the problem is, is, is we allow, we hear a word of God and we think that that's, that's wonderful. But we're going to keep going in our direction, not having that uh, determination and that boldness and that tenacity and say, wait a minute, I want more of what God is speaking and what God is revealing to my life. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Amen. A few more verses. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? Well, he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And for a few moments tonight, I'm going to preach on this topic, the road to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus. Could you pray with me tonight? And let's ask the Lord to talk to us tonight. Amen. Pray that God would anoint me, amen, to speak as his as his mouthpiece tonight. Pray that God would anoint your hearts to receive every word, amen, that comes from his, uh, from the Spirit, from the Word of God tonight. Lord, we come before you tonight in this place. We thank you tonight, Lord, for your Word. We thank you tonight, Lord, that you love this group of people. You care for this group of people tonight. And I'm asking you, Lord, to remember prayers of my past. Remember prayers, Lord, of years gone by. And I pray you would bring some answered prayers into this house on this Wednesday night, Lord, as we come to magnify and to glorify and to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, let's take a few moments and let's worship Him in this place tonight. Could you lift up your voice and could you worship Him and magnify Him? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We praise you today, Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. This particular story happens as verse 13 says the same day. This is the same day as uh, the day that Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. Amen. The angels rolled the stones away, the stone away, and Jesus walked out. Jesus rose. Amen. From the grave. Amen. The God that we serve is a risen Savior. And he is not dead in buried in the ground, but he is alive and well. And I can feel him in this place tonight. Hallelujah. This is happening, this story, the same day as Jesus' resurrection. Amen. The Bible says that the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem was about seven miles in distance. And walking uh, this particular amount of miles at an average of 20 minutes per mile would have put this particular walk at about two and a half hours 
amen, walking from Jerusalem on the road to Emmaus. And so these two particular individuals, one is named Cleopas and the other is not mentioned in Scripture. They spent a total of two and a half hours walking from Jerusalem down to Emmaus. Amen. Spending time in the presence of the Lord and yet not even recognizing that it was Jesus himself that they were talking to. Amen. So many times, amen, uh, people come into the house such as this house, the house of worship, and they feel the touch of the Holy Ghost and they hear the word preached and yet they don't fully comprehend that what they're feeling is not just some energy source in a galaxy some far off distance, but they are actually feeling Jesus moving in their lives. And it takes revelation. It takes the Word of God. It takes understanding for you to under, for you to recognize that what I feel in this place is not a prophet. It's not the spirit of a prophet or a good teacher. Amen. But it is Jesus Himself that's making Himself real in this place tonight. Hallelujah. Jesus is in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is... Uh, through the study of Scripture that you'll find that this particular story is only recorded by the writer St. Luke. Luke being that physician and having that medical background, he begins to call attention to this story which uh, immediately followed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the the city that is called Emmaus in Scripture, uh, it is... Uh, the, the meaning, the definition of the name Emmaus is a bath or wells, such as a well that comes from the ground. And Emmaus contained med- medicinal springs, such as warm water springs that were useful for healing, which is probably why only Luke's gospel details this account. And so he... Uh, the writer Luke, as being from the medical background, begins to call special attention to this particular story on the road to Emmaus. Uh, these two individuals, Cleopas and the other unnamed individual, uh, they seem to have given up all uh, as lost and to, have co- and to have concluded that Jesus was not the Messiah, though they naturally conversed about it and there were many things which they could not explain. These two individuals... Uh, begin walking away from Jerusalem, that chosen city of God. Amen. In their discouragement and in their dismay uh, and in their their point of their place of disappointment. Amen. When it seemed like this was uh, that this was somebody special, and now that someone special, uh, that Messiah was taken from them, and now they begin to question the authenticity of his authority in their life, and they begin to say, "Well, they converse. They converse. The Bible says." And they reasoned and they communed together and they began talking about things. Amen. Talking about maybe, uh, you know, I, I really thought he was the one. I really thought that was the, that that was the place that I was supposed to be. Uh, I really thought I, that he was he was something special and he had the answers for my life. But I, I feel so confused now because it's the third day and I don't see him yet. It's the third day and I, and I don't see the answer to my prayer yet. Can I tell somebody today that as these two men were walking on that road to Emmaus and questioning the things of God, that Jesus had already risen from the grave. Amen. And all they had to do was just simply trust. Amen. That the word of God, amen, that had been spoken through the prophets of old, though they had not seen it yet, yet surely it would still come to pass in their lives. Sometimes, amen, your faith will be tried at the most. Amen. When God fixes to show up onto the scene of your life, and it seems like all hell and all the discouragement and all the depression. And all of the anxiety begins to weigh heavy on you. And you begin walking away from the house of God. Because it's that discouraging, depressing spirit. Amen. That every time you allow it to work in your life, it doesn't draw you closer to God. It pushes you further away from the things of God. And 
the city of Jerusalem is that place where God has put His name. And anytime you're going to Jerusalem, amen, it's a symbolic place. Amen, it's a symbolic uh, location as, as the house of God, the, the presence of God. But when you allow other voices into your life that are, that are opposing to faith, that are full of doubt and unbelief and discouragement, it will send you on the road opposite. And it will send you down the road. Yes, yes. You're going a downhill course anytime you're headed away from the presence of God and the house of God. Right. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Going to Emmaus was a natural attempt at managing life without Christ. There are some things that you and I will do as a natural outflow of a logical type of mind. Because, well, I don't see it. I, 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 don't, I don't understand what's happening, so I'm going to naturally do what I must do. And so going to Emmaus was a natural attempt at, for these two men at managing a new life without Christ, without the presence of God in their life. It's where the healing waters were. And they thought, well, if, I, if we'll just get on the road to Emmaus, we can find some healing. We'll find it our own way. We'll find it uh, it's in a different type of a healing. We'll find a quick fix, amen, for that, that void in our soul and in our hearts because Emmaus is a place of healing. But it's not the right kind of healing. It's a surface healing. There are some things you and I can get involved in that only touch the surface of our lives and of our existence. But in the presence of God, amen, there is a healing that takes place on the innermost part of a person's being. And that's where we've got to set our sights to and our attention upon the house of God. Going to Emmaus was a downhill descent. Anytime, just as we know from studying scriptures, and, and Jonah, the Bible says God called Jonah, Jonah to the city of Nineveh. And he, as he ran from God, he was going down. Down, down to Joppa, down to the ship, down to the valley of the whale. It was a downhill course. Anytime you're running from the things of God, you're on your way down. And you're going to go as far down as you can go. Until you wake up and realize I, I, I'm so far away, so far removed from where God has called me. And these two men were beginning that descent from Jerusalem down to Emmaus. And there's no telling how far down they would have went. But Jesus had mercy upon them. Jesus cared for these two men. And Jesus got involved in their lives before it was too late. Can I tell you today that God will reach for a person and God will reach for a person and God will reach for a person because it's the will of God that every man be close to Him and be in His perfect will. Hallelujah. On that road to Emmaus was two men discouraged and doing their own natural attempt to find peace and solace for their soul. Amen. But Jesus begins to talk to them and he begins to work in their lives. Amen. So I wrote down as I prepared for this tonight. Amen. There, there are some points to ponder in this particular story of the two men on the road to Emmaus. Amen. Where are you going tonight? It matters where you're going. Are you headed away from the things of God? Or are you headed closer to Him? Are you going down a road to Emmaus that leads you further, amen, from where Jesus is, further from where the house of God is? Or are you, or are you on your way up, amen, to the house of God? Amen. These two men felt a great sorrow in their life. These two men felt a great sorrow in their life. Why? Why did they feel such a sorrow in their life? Why did they feel such uh, so downcast and so downtrodden? Why did they feel such way? Because they no longer had Jesus in their lives. The greatest sorrow in your life is not having him in your life anymore. The greatest sorrow is not losing a loved one. Amen. It's not losing a dear friend. 
Amen. It's, it's not losing your job. It's not losing your house or all your possessions. The greatest sorrow in life is being in a place without Jesus and not knowing where he is and working in your life. Amen. The greatest sorrow is a life that is void of the presence of God. And so I never want to get to a place, amen, where uh, I live a life that is void of his presence. And if I find his presence in the house of God, may I ever make my return trip day after day, week in and week out to the house of God, right where I found him, right where I found him, right where I built an altar. I built an altar in the house of God. And I said, God, that's where you saved me. God, that's where you found me. So I'll go back to that altar that I built and I'll commemorate the work of God, the hand of God in my life. Hallelujah. So the greatest sorrow was not having Him in their lives. But can I tell you another side to the story? Don't allow your sorrow to push you away from Jesus. Don't allow the things you go through in life to push you away from him and to harden your heart to the things of God. Don't allow your sorrow, amen, to push you away from the house of God. And I've heard people say, well, I can't go to church yet because I'm dealing with stuff internally and and I'm not ready because I've got to handle this on my own. Don't let your sorrow keep you distant from the presence of God and keep you distant from the people of God. Don't let the hardships in your life and the trials in your life, amen, cause you to distance yourself from Jerusalem, from the house of God, the place where he is. But allow him, allow Jesus, as these two men did, allow Jesus to work in your sorrow. Allow him to get into the middle of that and allow God to work on that. Because that's the only way in these person, these two individuals' lives that their sorrow could be turned into joy. Because they, this, this account in Luke 24 and 13 started out in a, in, in a sad, sorrowful way. Two men discouraged, distraught. But when it concludes in verse 35, I think it is, they are full of joy and they're exuberant and they're telling people about Jesus. Because they allowed Jesus to get right in the middle of their life and to work in their situation. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't push him away. Their sadness and sorrow was because, amen, they did not believe the scriptures and the prophets of the Old Testament which foretold about the Messiah. They still had unbelief. Amen. Unbelief will take you away from the place of God, Jerusalem, and the things of God. And it will add sorrow to your life. It was unbelief was the was the original sin in this particular story. Unbelief was the thing, the catalyst that caused the sorrow, that caused them to move away from the place that God had planted their feet. It was unbelief. Well, I don't know if I fully believe that Jesus is God. I don't know if I fully believe that Jesus is who He says He is. And it was their unbelief that caused it to... To run away from the presence of God. It was their unbelief that brought about the sorrow in their life. Unbelief brought about these things in their life. And it added sorrow to their life. But faith is the opposite. Faith is saying, I believe he is who he says he is. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. I believe he is God. And though I haven't heard about a resurrection yet, he said it was going to happen. And I just believe. And I'm not going to be sorrowful. I'm going to trust in his perfect plan. Unbelief not only brought trouble to the heart and sorrow, but it also brought blindness to their mind. Their unbelief was the thing that Jesus 
talked about. Amen. In verse 25, they were slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Amen. Maybe they believed a little bit and they began to pick and choose what scriptures they would believe. But but they wouldn't believe all the scriptures. Amen. They wouldn't believe every word. Amen. That was prophesied about Jesus. And so their unbelief brought about a distance from them in the house of God. It brought sorrow to their life. And it brought blindness to their mind. These things cannot be fixed and resolved by their reasoning and by their philosophizing that we read about in verse number 15. Amen. The blindness of their mind could not be resolved by their reasoning and by their philosophizing. Amen. It could not be fixed by that but only by the proclaimed word of the Lord as the word of God began to work in their lives and God began to speak to them. Jesus began to talk to them and Jesus began to work in their hearts and they felt it in their hearts and they said, our hearts did burn within us. Amen. God gives confirmation and says, I'm in this house. The word of God goes forth and the lights begin to come on and the blinders are removed. But we need a word from heaven tonight. We need a word from God. It's the only way that blindness has to leave. They were slow of heart to believe. They were not quick to perceive. They were dull of learning. They had suffered their previous opinions and, and their prejudices. Uh, they, had a, to, they allowed those opinions and prejudices to prevent them from seeing the evidence that he must die and rise again. They were slow to believe. Well, can you just tell me a little bit differently? Try and convince me a different way. Sister Gina, I believe that kind of, but maybe maybe you can help me a little bit. And they're just struggling to believe. And they're struggling to, to see the evidence that Jesus is who he says he was. And isn't it interesting in scripture to find out that there was two men that were walking down that road to Emmaus. Can I tell you tonight, it matters who your friends are. It matters the company that you keep. It matters who you hang out with. If all that you hang out with are unbelievers, it's not long before you're walking the same road that they're walking, which is a road away from God. And it's a downhill course. It matters the company that you keep. It matters the company that you keep. When I was a young boy, amen, when I was, I don't know, adolescent, teenager years, that time, even probably before, my mom and dad would always make it a point. Who are you hanging out with? Who's this guy? What's he, who, where, where does he live? Who's his parents? Are they, do they go to church? What's he up to? Is he causing trouble? They always wanted to make sure we were hanging out with the right people. And I, I thank you for that because that makes a difference. And as parents, we ought to do the same, looking out for our kids. Hey, who you who you messaging? Who you talking to? Who you hanging out with? You say, well, I want to reach them, bring them over to your house, and keep an eye on them. Right. And even nowadays, it's gotten even more, the lines have gotten more blurred. Uh, it's not just who you're hanging out with at school and who you're going who are you going to hang out with? But who are you messaging? Who are you following on Instagram? Who are your friends on Facebook? Who are you uh, connected to on Snapchat and all the other uh, uh, social media sites that are out there? Who are you connected to? Well, they're not hanging out at their house, but they're sure following every every person that is that is ungodly and living in sin, and they're they're looking at all these different idols of the world, and they're they're modeling their lives, and they're being influenced by the gods of this world. Amen. We as parents have got to make sure, Amen, that our kids are connected to the right people and not connected to the wrong people. Amen. In real life, in social media, Amen. In the church. It's still everywhere. We've got to make sure that we're looking out for our young ones. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a slightly different world than when I was a kid. But in some ways it's the same. Just 
It's uh, it's just a little bit dressed up. It's just dressed up a little bit differently. It's the same deceptive spirits that are at work in this world. I'm thankful, amen, that my parents, amen, kept tabs on who I hung out with and who I was connected to and who I was messaging and reaching out to. The Bible says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? You say, well, I'm trying to reach them. We're just hanging out. Up to a certain point, you're reaching them. After a certain, after a certain point, you're just being influenced by people. If, if you're connected to people on social media uh, and at school that are anti-God, that are anti the Bible and, and that are going against the word that's preached here on Sundays and Wednesdays and the teaching happens on Thursdays and on down the line, you want to disconnect. They are not your friends. They are not praying for you. They are not they are not reaching for you. They're not giving their time to help you. Uh, if it goes against the word of God, amen, they are not your friends. They are enemies, the Bible says, of the cross. And you ought to be careful who you allow to enter into your life. You don't need to be following backsliders. You don't need to be following people that are advertising alcohol and, and promiscuity on social media. You need to disconnect from those things. You don't need to be following Beyonce and Jay-Z and other people that are demonically possessed. Amen. There ought to be a line you don't understand and say, as for me and as for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to follow the gods of this world, but we're going to follow after Jesus. We're going to walk, amen, with folks that we agree with and that agree with the scriptures. And if there's folks that every time you get out of church, begin to run down the preacher, begin to run down the teacher, and begin to discredit, amen, the preached word of God, they are your enemies. And you need to disconnect from them. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Can I tell you another part of this story? The two men on the road to Emmaus. As they begin talking about Jesus. Isn't it interesting that after they begin talking about him. That suddenly Jesus showed up on the scene of their life. Be careful what you talk about. Amen. Allow good things to enter into your conversation. Talk about the goodness of the Lord. Talk about Jesus. Talk about the things of God. And every time you talk about Him, you'll feel Him show up in your presence and in your midst. Hallelujah. Every time you talk about Jesus, it's not long before He shows up and says, What's that you're saying about me, Brother Nathan? Man, I just love you. I want to do something good for you. Talk to me some more. Talk about me some more. Lift me up some more. Amen. But on the on the opposite side of the spectrum, if all you talk about is woe is me and, and all the problems I've got in my life and my depression and my anxiety and my achy toe and, and all of the troubles in my soul. Amen. You invite spirits of depression that begin to pile on and say, have you thought about your, your packing? Have you thought about the bills? Amen. Why don't you, instead of talking about the problems and talking about the trials, begin talking about him and lifting him up and exalting his name these two men talked about jesus even though they were their hearts were filled with unbelief and they were walking away from him on a downhill course but if they begin to talk about him he began to show up in their lives you want to see things turn around in your life just start talking about jesus Start talking about all the, Sister Gina, all the testimonies from the years gone by. How long are you living for God now? 30, 38 years. Just start talking about all the testimonies. That one time God provided. That one time God healed me. That other time I saw this miracle. That other time I saw this. Sister Didi, that other time God saved this person. And God did this. And I remember back when God did this. And God did that. And I remember even just this last week. And when God touched my body. And God healed me. And all of the things. And suddenly the mountains begin to become molehills. And they become so small. Because we lift him up. 
And we see Him as He is. Every time you begin talking about Him and you begin to reminisce about all that time that I was in God's presence, I remember what it felt like. And suddenly God says, I'm still here. I still love you. I still can do that again. And you begin to, those tears begin to well up in your eyes and you begin to remember, you know what? It was glorious back then. And I feel it all over again right now. Coming on me right now because as I talk about Him and I lift Him up, He shows up in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Talk about the right stuff. Lift Him up. Lift Him up. Lift Him up. Let Him be what our conversations are about. There, there are so many times if we go to uh, a fast food or a Starbucks or wherever we're at, if two people at a normal decibel level begin talking about Jesus, inevitably somebody will say, what's that you're saying? Right, yeah. So are you a believer? Yes. Because as we talk about him, there's, there's an attraction that happens. Right. People say, oh, What's that? Did you just say Jesus? Did you just say, you know, yada, yada, yada? I want to know more about that. There's an attraction to Jesus that he brings. Hallelujah. God wants to walk and talk with you on this road of life. Just like these two men on the road to Emmaus, walking down the road, the proverbial road of life. Jesus showed them, Serenity, I want to walk with you on that road. I don't want you to walk that road alone. Those two men on the road to him, they still with discouragement and dismay. God said, can I walk with you a while? Can I turn your situation around? Can I just get in the middle of that, that conversation? Would you just allow me to get right down to where you're living? Can I, can I show you that I care about those things that you care about? Can I reveal myself and my, my nature and my character to you? In the beginning of talking with Jesus, they were not allowed to see him fully for who he was. Because knowing Jesus truly is a product of divine revelation and divine encounter. Amen. So many times God is right next to us trying to comfort us and lead us back to himself. And we don't even recognize who it is that's working in our lives. But he's here today. And he's talking and he's walking and he's moving. You say, really? Yeah, really. Jesus. Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai. All of those different descriptions and increasing revelations is summed up in the name Jesus. That same God, the Yahweh of the Old Testament, the Elohim of the Old Testament, Jehovah, the Old Testament, yeah. revealed in Jesus, right. is here tonight. Yes. And he's walking yes. and he's talking. Just like those two men on the road to a mass. He's in their midst. He's in our midst tonight. And we've got to recognize it. When Christ comes, sorrow has to leave. Confusion has to go. Yeah. This, there's so much in the story of those two men on the road to a mass. That after Jesus showed up in their lives, sorrow left. Confusion took a hike. Their direction literally turned around. When Jesus had first showed up in their lives, they were going down, healed fast, down the road to Emmaus. But after Jesus began to show up in their life and begin to work in their life, they turned around and said, we're going back to Jerusalem. We're going back to where he found me. I'm going back to where he first called me. I'm going back to the house of God. I'm going back to that place. And there was true repentance in their lives. And they repented of their unbelief. And they repented of all the things they had done. They said, we're going back to where God found us. We're going back to Jerusalem. We're going back to where God first worked in our lives. And we still want, amen, God to turn lives around in this place tonight. Amen. God will save you in your sin. Amen. But he'll, he'll also pull you out of your sin. And he'll turn your life around. Yeah. 
He'll give you a new direction. He'll give you a new direction. He'll give you a new direction. If you look back on your life today, to that moment in time when God first gave you the Holy Ghost, and he first baptized, he first got baptized, and you first repented your sins. If you go back in time, in your mind's eye, and you look back, what did you look like when God first found you? Right. What direction were you headed? If you look back on that first time you got the Holy Ghost and got baptized, and your life looks the exact same, if you're still dressed the same way when he found you, if you're still talking the same way when he found you, you haven't allowed him to work in your life. Because every time he works in a person's life, he gives them a new direction. He changes them. If you're still wearing the same type of clothes and listening to the same type of music and still going to the same type of places and still connected to the same type of people, amen, as when he first found you, amen, you're not allowing him to work in your life. And there are some changes that have to be made because Jesus never leaves a person the way that he finds them. He always makes them better. He always makes them more holy. He always lifts a person up and turns them around and puts a new head on their shoulders. He always does a new work in a person's life. The reason we know, amen, from the scriptures that Jesus had his perfect way in their lives is because after, amen, he came into their, in their midst on their road to Emmaus, their lives literally turned around. Their countenance changed. Amen. They talked different. They thought different. They acted different. They were no longer the same two men that they once were. They were not the same anymore. God, I want you to change me. God, I want you to change me. I want you to change me, Lord. I want you to do a new work in my life. Hallelujah. When my father first came to the Lord, or the second time rather, I saw his, his barber license, hairstylist license, and he had a dark complexion. And it wasn't a skin issue. It was a soul issue. And he had hair all over his face just this crazy looking wolverine type beard and not a happy look on his face his eyes didn't look the same amen when i remember as a kid my dad even had dobermans he was just a i don't know maybe he was just a mean guy back then i don't know but he had the biggest baddest dobermans and they scared the living daylights out of me as a kid i grew up scared of chihuahuas the fear of god put into me from the dogs <laughs> Those things will lunge at me as a kid. I thought, I'm never going to come near a dog. Those things will eat me alive. But my dad was a totally different person when God found him. You look at him now, only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. If he looked the same way today that he did back then, I would wonder if God had him, if God was still working his life. If you look the same way today as you looked when God first found you, you have not allowed God to work in your life. He is going to change your life yeah. radically. Yes. Amen. When he came into their lives, sorrow left, confusion took a height, direction was turned around before they were walking away from Jerusalem. But after Christ, they came back to Jerusalem. He turned them around. He can do the same for you. Amen. Also in this uh, story tonight is the subject of fellowship and who you fellowship with will change you for the better or for the worse. Amen. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Thank God, amen, that Jesus showed up in their lives on the road to Emmaus and they allowed Jesus to speak to them. And to say, I am that I am. I am who the prophet said I was. I am, amen, before Abraham was, I am. Yes, amen. amen, have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right. Yeah. Amen, I and my Father are one, he said. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Never underestimate the power of God to work in a person's life. This book right here is powerful. This book here is the key. This is the only key that unlocks the door. This word. And if you had a key, like you look at your key ring, and there's maybe five generally uh, key formations. You know, they got different uh, ways that keys look, but there's there's a few sets of keys that they all look the same. They're kind of built the same, but the cut's different. The cut's different. And you can have a key that the cut is very, very similar, but off in a very minute part of the key. You can think, well, I'm sure it'll work just fine. It's just a little different. But it doesn't line up exactly. That key won't work. This is a key right here. You can say, well, I got another key that looks very similar. It's just off a little. It's just a little different. I, I heard it different on the on the on the on the television. I, I heard I heard that key uh, explained a little differently on on my social media account. I heard that key explained a little bit differently from my friends at work or at school. It's it's just a little bit different. But if the key doesn't line up exactly, it ain't gonna get you in. It ain't gonna work. And that key has got to be exactly going down the same line as this word of God. And never underestimate the power of God to work in your life. Jesus expounded the scriptures from Moses unto all the prophets. Amen. Jesus is and was and is the God of the Old Testament revealed in the New. Amen. He is Jehovah. He is Yahweh. He is Elohim. He is Emmanuel. But his name is Jesus. And having drawn out their story, amen, from the Old Testament, he directed them to what his name was. His name is Jesus. And they said in their hearts, these two men said in their hearts, after he left, wow. What a feeling we had when we were in his presence. Right. Our hearts burned with us. Yes. Uh, that feeling I got in God's presence, I can't deny it. He, he told me some stuff. Now, I don't know if I fully grasped but I felt something so strong in his presence. And it lined up with the word. Everything that Jesus told me, it, I, I know the scriptures, these two Jewish men, they said that word from him is exactly in the, the, the direct fulfillment of the word of God. He's not wrong. It lines up scripture after scripture from Moses to the, all the prophets. Did not our heart burn within us or was set on fire? There's a passion that comes out of spending time with Jesus. There is a feeling many of you have while being even in this church tonight. It's a feeling of being in the presence of God. And God has given you that feeling so you can learn to recognize his presence. God has allowed you to feel something in this house so you can recognize his presence. You can say, that's what it feels like. As you go through your life and you you live your life and different chapters unfold in your life, you know what I felt back there in that house was real. And my heart burned within me. My soul was set on fire in that house. God spoke to me. And you say, there's just something I feel about this church. You can't deny how you feel. God gives you the feeling that you feel in this house. So you can know for yourself. Because you might leave this place and somebody might say, well, he, you know, he's misinterpreting the scriptures. Let me tell it to you this way. Let me, let me tell it to you differently. But at the core, when it comes down to you, but I, I know what I felt in that place. I may not have all my scripture verses down and be able to quote chapter after chapter, verse after verse, but I know what I felt. And I know there's a God. And I know he cares for me. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet tonight? Amen. Verses 28 and 29 of this chapter 
specifically verse number 28. It says, And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him. He was going to keep walking the road. He would have left them. And this is the point that all of us reach in our lives. God shows up into our lives. He speaks to us. We see things. And then God says, okay, I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep moving. How bad do you want me in your life? Everybody reaches this point that comes to church. You hear the word preach. You feel the touch of the Holy Ghost. You see things in the Spirit. And then God says, I'm going to keep going now. But I want you to, I want to see if something's in your heart. I want to see if when I get ready to move again, if you'll move with me. I want to see if you're going to grab a hold of what I've just revealed to you. They constrained him. And it wasn't until after that they constrained him. It wasn't until after that they got a hold of him and said, No, I want I want you in my life. I'm not going to let you go that easy. What I felt, what I heard, I'm not going to let go of that. I'm going to grab a hold of it. The Bible says they constrained him. And then it wasn't until after that they had constrained him and he began to break bread in verse number 30. That verse number 31 says, And their eyes were opened and they knew him. It wasn't until they reached out and grabbed a hold of him and said, God, I, it's beautiful what you said. It's beautiful how I feel. But God, I want to have that in my life. And I'm willing to grab a hold of something powerful in my life. Don't pass me by tonight, God. Don't keep walking uh, down this road. But God, I'm reaching out to you. And I want to grab a hold of the hand of God. I don't want you to leave me, God. I want revelation. And when they grabbed a hold of him, and when they grabbed a hold of him, the Bible says that revelation began to come into their lives. And they knew him. And that's happening for somebody tonight. God spoke it. You felt it. And now God says, now how bad do you want it? Are you willing to stop everything and say, amen, hold on while everything else, cancel the plans. I'm grabbing hold of Jesus. Forget my plans. Down the road to advance. Jesus is here, and I've got to get a hold of Jesus' hands. And when they reached out, and they said, okay, God, forget this. Forget my own plans of healing and redemption. Now, God, move in my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This altar right now, on this Wednesday night, is open. His presence is inviting somebody in this house tonight. He showed up in this house. He spoke it to you and to me. You felt the touch of God. And now this is a moment where you've got to be the one to constrain Him. You've got to be the one to grab a hold of Him and say, okay, God. Forget Emmaus, forget my plans. I just want you in my life. I'm not going to do it all by myself, but I want the Word of God. I want the Spirit of God to work in my life. Would you come tonight all across this house? Come on, I need somebody, amen, that just says, I've got to grab a hold of Him tonight. I've got to be the one to grab a hold of him and reach out and touch him. Come on, as you come tonight, would you slip up a hand to heaven? Would you lift up your voice and would you cry out to him? Come on, there's got to be that determination. There's got to be that hunger that says, I am going to grab a hold of Jesus. I will not let him pass 
me by. I'm not letting him walk out of my life. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I'm grabbing hold of him. Come on, you've got to be willing, like the men on the road to Emmaus, to say, forget my plans. Forget all the things that I was going to do previously. Now Jesus is here and he's spoken to me and I've got to stop everything I'm doing and I've got to grab a hold of his hand. And it's in that place, amen, where your soul determines, amen, amen, where your soul makes that determination that revelation comes. Revelation comes. A full understanding, a full understanding of who He is. When you reach out and say, God, 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 I want you in my life. There's still some answers. There's still some questions I need answered, Lord. There's still some questions I need answered, Lord. But if I can grab a hold, if I can constrain Him, Amen. I believe that my answer is coming. I believe that revelation's on its way. I believe I'll understand some things better by and by. Come on, lift up your voice. Talk to Him. Just a feeling, and then determine. I'm 